Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Here we are this morning, gathered together, and I want you to have a mindset that's that's not normal. I want you to get to the place you're saying, you know what? We're gathering together and I'm going to get some life today. I'm going to get some information that's going to impact my life. 2023 is going to be a great year for me, no matter what's going on out there, no matter what struggles are coming my way, which they are, no matter which pressures are going to come, there's going to be tax. There's going to be, this is what God showed me through the, through the wheat and tear. Let me explain what a tear is before I get deeper in this. A tear looks exactly like wheat. A tear looks exactly like wheat. It grows up with wheat. If that seed gets together, it'll grow up with wheat. But the tear is poisonous to humans and animals. Poisonous. It causes this deep sleepiness, nausea, convulsions, and death. And this is a seed, this is a plant that looks like wheat, looks like wheat. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus uses this analogy, this parable, and, and he's, he's showing us something tremendous about 2023 and about just faith in general. And so we're going to look at this and, and we're going to grow. We're going to level up today, together. You guys ready to level up? Everybody in here ready? You out there? Live stream, level up. Let's do this. All right. Matthew eleven twelve. it says this. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. It's an attack. It's, it's this, this, this pressure coming against the kingdom of God. But then it says, but the violent take it by force. Now, I've, I've heard, you know, wrong teaching on this, and I've read commentaries that are wrong on this, but there's a transition in the sentence. In other words, it's not negative negative, it's negative positive. But, you know, when, when you have a religious doctrine that's tied to bad scripture teaching, there's a tendency to put the scripture not tendency, it's factual, you translate according to your doctrines. So if you see a word, you can twist the word or make the word come to a conclusion that you want. And, and that's what translators did pretty much when it comes to uh, bringing Greek to English, Hebrew to English. That's why in Hebrew, you read all the time, and God did this. It doesn't, that's not what the original says. The Hebrew language doesn't work that way. It's someone's their belief in how God is, and they define it that way. God didn't cause, or God didn't bring an enemy to destroy Israel. No, God allowed it because of a previous action, a previous action. So there's the permissive and causative in the verbs. And when you understand that, you will always see anytime Israel is attacked, you will see it defined in translation, God did it. It's wrong. God didn't do it. But you will read in the permissive. In other words, there was a reason why 
God's protection could be protecting them. And then what do you see? Israel was hating God. Israel was serving other gods. Israel was anti-God. Then permissive, the enemy came in and took them. That's when you understand scripture and that's level up. It's getting you to a place where you're like going, okay, I need to, I need to be careful on just reading this because I'll start creating my, my, my doctrine that's wrong just because I'm reading point blank. That's why it's so imperative for someone instructing you correctly, correctly, okay? And, and by doing this, you start realizing, okay, that makes more sense because what do we see Jesus do? Jesus says this, I only do what my father does. I only act the way he acts. I only see, I only speak the way he is. Now I can guarantee you every single person Jesus healed deserved terrible things in your lives. Every one of them. Not one of them were serving God with their whole heart. They're all messed up people. And what did God do? Heal them all. Heal them all. Heal them all. Heal them all. If there were the ability to contain all the works that Jesus did, there will be not enough books to write about them. We're just reading a few of them. We're blown away by the few miracles that happened. We're blown away by what Jesus was doing. But the scripture even shows us that if he wrote down every single one, they don't have enough paper. Whoa! Is that awesome? But then you better tell your face it is because some of you are still doing this. Don't make me take all the excitement. Lord Jesus, come on. All right, so here we see the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Violence is biadzo, biadzo. And that word literally means aggressive attack, seize pressure, put pressure to crowd you, to make it where it's, you're unbreathable. And then, but when you read this, it says, and, and that should be translated, even so. Even so. The, look at this. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. It's having this stuff happening. But even so, the violent, this is biates, biates. It changes the word different from the first one. And this literally means to be forceful, aggressive, no quit mentality, relentless. But the relentless take it. What are they talking about? The kingdom of God. Our kingdom, the kingdom we live in right now. But the relentless take the kingdom by force. Aggressive. We're in this for the win. Are you guys hearing me? So the relentless faith is a faith that isn't going to quit. It's going to press in. It's going to push in. Um, relentless faith does not mean perfection. There's no such saying other than Jesus and his word. Amen. Relentless faith is recognizing that, but also understanding that anything successful we have right now in life, anything, has been based upon countless, countless failures. Everything. Everything you love. Everything you love about your phone, your vehicle, your house, your car, everything, everything has tons of fruit of failure. The problem is, is the person invent, inventing whatever we're, we're enjoying just didn't quit. Failed countless times. We have this, these lights, 
failure countless times. Actually, we, we have majority of everything that is, that is awesome that we have, people laughed at, looked down on people that were talking about before it was created, laughed at them. Are you guys listening? So what we need to understand is that natural principle. That is a truth. And so when we understand that, we go, okay, any book you pick up concerning success, you're going to hear some chapter that says, you got to be able to get up. You got to, don't quit. I mean, come on. How many times do we have to read these things and still go, I'm just a loser. I keep making mistakes. I'll never, never, never. And it's all based upon what? Your attitude of realizing that that's part of life. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get one plus one equals two when you're in school and say, move on, move on, teacher. I got it. What's the next one? Pretty soon you're doing calculus at third grade. Well, by your mindset, that's exactly what should happen. One plus one equals two. Got it. Move. Next. What's next? You'll be doing, I'm telling you, by, by being that way, by the end of first grade, you already know multiplication. Now, I know you're looking at me like, this is crazy. Exactly. Then why are you thinking that way? Boom. There it is. All right. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, a righteous person. You guys are righteous. You are righteous. I'm not asking you are. You are righteous. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he made you righteous, okay? The righteous person may fall seven times. How many times? Seven times. Most denominations believe you do three times, you're going to get kicked out of heaven because you did it on purpose and you repented, but you, that repentant didn't mean anything because you ended up doing it again. And then we'll give you a little grace, don't ever do it again. So you repent again, but you do it again. The third time, they're like going, you're not repentant. You've never been repentant, so you might as well forget eternity because it don't work for you. That's the majority. The majority of all Christians have that, that concept. It's a sad thing because that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture aggressively goes against that mindset. Actually, you know, it's a natural principle. Most failure in families and children are because that negative type of teaching. But you bring in the right type of teaching, you bring in grace, you, get, you bring in the understanding, common sense of you're going to fail, you're going to screw up, you're going to rebel, but that doesn't define who you are unless you continue, 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 continue. But we will work toward getting you out of that mindset. But the, here it says, you can fall seven times, but they get up again and again and again in the Hebrew. They might fall, but they get up again and again and again. Who does the righteous one? What do we define them as? Well, that loser sinned again. This is the fifth time. What a, they're no good. Isn't that what we do? And look what the Bible did. It just spanked you, right? It said, no, 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 don't be that way, right? They received Jesus. They might be in toddler stage or where you see a lot, a lot of people that have been in church for a long time stay in teenager stage. They know everything. Okay, let's move right along. A relentless life is a life that doesn't quit. Now, in the area of 
scripture. And this is, this is spoken so many times in the New Testament. It's, it's all through the Bible, but more than 10 times in the New Testament, it's, it's stated. And remember, the, the word of God is God breathed, right? God breathed. And that's theonustos, which means that this, this is straight from God's breath, his life. Y'all know you can't speak a word without breath, right? Try it. You don't want to try it. You take my word for it. Oh, you already know this. I'm the, I'm the newbie. Okay, okay. Well, I tried it this morning because that came, when, when, I, when I thought about that, and, and this is, again, how, how Level Up operates. I, I do what I do, and this is what I do for myself. And I thought, my gosh, when you really think about this and get involved in breath and life and spirit, which is wind, I'm talking about Greek definitions of these words. It's, it's all tied to this word, this breath. And then when I saw that, I thought, you know, this is amazing because any word has to have breath. There has to be wind. There has to be breath coming forth. And so I thought, that's that just stuff like that where I'm like going, this is really so cool when you think about the word of God and when it starts becoming alive to you. Because then you realize, you know what I need to, I need to bring breath into my life. I get it. Life is breath. You stop breathing, you're... Okay, some of you realize that. Right? Isn't it true, though? And we're breathing, right? Hope to God you are. We're all breathing, all right? So ignorance is in Scripture all over the place. God does not want you to be ignorant. God does not want you to be ignorant. We are not ignorant. We're not ignorant of this. We're not ignorant of the enemy. We're not ignorant of how he operates. It's all through the Bible. And then there's other terminology of, of not being dumb in scripture. So what does that tell you? That tells you that God never in his word made it difficult for you to learn something in his word. It's made simple. But religion confounds it, makes it difficult. Why? Because the only way you can make something difficult if you make it to where it's untouchable. In other words, you're not good enough. You're not perfect enough. You haven't, gone to, you haven't prayed enough. You haven't read enough. You see what I'm saying? So you're putting distance to a fact. And God's saying, no, I want the fact known. I want, I want you to know. I'll get the fat crayons out. We're going to do this right. You know, it doesn't matter. You go over the lines, who cares? I, I want you coloring. I, I, you'll get in the lines, but it, you ain't going to get in the lines if you don't start coloring. I got a wall, a wall of joy in my office. And that wall of joy is my kids giving me stuff since they were little kids. For Christmas, for my birthday, you know, they, they give me something. And to this day, to this day, my boys know my number one desire for any type of gift is for them to make me something. I don't, I don't want anything. I want that. That's the only thing I require. Make me something. And they do. I got a 16, 18 year old and they make me something. They draw something. And from where they were, where they're scribbling and trying, they're doing it for Papa and it's a mess on paper, but it's pure to me because their heart 
And why they're doing it is the definition of that scribble. Please listen to me. I'm giving you level up right now. I'm telling you exactly the way God feels because his heart, his love is far greater than mine for you. You guys hear what I'm saying? If I do that for my children, you need to understand that God's heart toward you is greater than that. He's probably, he's got a wall for you, probably. I couldn't come up with that awesome thing. It's wonderful. But I look at that all the time when I see the growth of their lives in it. Man, now they make things like, like man, you could sell that at Walmart, man, that kind of car. Make some money. And it's pretty special. I love it. So God doesn't want you ignorant, but he also needs you to understand that you have a growth. There's a growth period in your life, and it doesn't stop. It continues. I like Paul when he says, listen, I haven't arrived. I'm like going, do you even read what you write? It's like, are you kidding me? The knowledge you have and you say, I haven't arrived. I don't have it. I mean, I'm, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. And then you take the disciples that walked with Jesus and they're going, Paul's writings. I will, sometimes we read and we don't have a clue what he's saying. That Peter saying that. James, John, they're like going, man, Paul starts writing. It's like this stuff's deep. But they knew it was God revealing it through him. Theonustos, God breathed. It's life. That's why God doesn't want you ignorant. It's life, people. So the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 10.4, we're talking about not being ignorant, right? When I read majority of scriptures, when Paul's talking concerning our lives, maybe not. I mean, close to a majority are tied in military terminology. So he's going to use terms that are tied to what they knew in their day. And that is they're, they're what? They're under Roman control, right? So they're being communicated to by a Roman government that dictates to them. And that's the law. So when Paul's writing, he's using He's using, like when he talks to the Galatians or Ephesians, he's communicating to them who live there. So when he talks about different things, it's like, remember when it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual weight. It goes on, right? But the word wrestle, we think, you know, specific terminology of what we know that word is, and they know exactly what that word is because that's happening in their day. They have it happening in the Colosseums. They have it happening in cities, except their wrestling is more tied to death. The, the winner stays alive, the loser dies. So when we're talking about the intensity of the word, he's saying, listen, we don't wrestle against our fight. This, this life and death fight isn't against people. It's against enemies. So the Bible says that we're in a warfare. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare, everybody say warfare. We're in a battle. 1 Timothy 1.18, wage the good warfare. We're in a battle. Are you guys hearing this? 2 Timothy 2.3, endure hardships as a good soldier. Why in the world would he put good soldier? What does that mean to you? Level up with me. What's it mean? There means there's a bad soldier in there, huh? Right? And what does a bad soldier do? Not what a good soldier does. 
He says, fight as a good soldier. And what does a good soldier do? They stand. They don't quit. They press in. They are obedient to their, 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 their commanding officer. They're in the position of, I'm going to do the right thing to win this thing. A bad soldier is going to run away. A bad soldier is going to quit. A bad soldier is going, I can't do this. I'm out of here. Are you guys hearing? All right. You all have hearing ears, right? All right, let's do this. So Paul says, Paul says a few times in his writings, he goes, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have fought the good fight of faith. This is a battle, people. We're in a warfare. Do you understand what I'm saying? And this warfare is real. It's happening every day. So when we're looking at this, we're looking at this picture where God's saying, okay, I'm wanting you to know you're in a battle, but I'm also wanting you to understand that in this fight, in this warfare, you have to carry a different attitude because you're in, you're in the battle. We, I brought up two young people that they're like going, you're going to put me in war and I don't know anything? Well, we already know we lost, but that's what's happening in a lot of Christian lives. We're, we're losing battles because we don't realize we're in a battle. And so we're going, how come? Why? What's, what's happening? You're in a battle. You're in a warfare right now. You got a soldier on up. Now, again, our weapons are not, I don't need an M16. I don't need an AR. I don't need a bazooka. I don't need any of that. Why? Because my fight isn't in the natural. It's in the spiritual. And God said, I, I, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to equip you with, with the helmet and the breastplate. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to make you look like this, this guy or gal, whoever it is. We can't see the face. We don't know. But I'm going to equip you for battle. How is that equipping? you not being ignorant. You want to throw that helmet on? Understand salvation biblically. You want to throw a breastplate on this place that protects your vitals? Understand righteousness. That's how you have success, people. That's how you wake up on Monday and say, I own you Monday. I'm going my work strong, big, favor of God's on my life. I'm going to prosper. I'll prove this stuff. But you got to carry this attitude with you. You got to have this relentless mindset that says, when I go through life, of course I'm going to make a mistake. Of course I'm going to blow it. But I'm not going to let that define me. I'm going to rise up and continue to press in. I got a vision. I got a picture of success. The word of God is painting this thing. That this, this, this destiny that my past says, you ain't going to have that. But God's going, this is my dream. This is how I think about you. And because you belong to his family, you're in his kingdom, it's time for you to pick up his coloring book. Pick up his coloring book. That's good, isn't it? Matthew 4, Jesus, after the temptation, remember his first words? Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. His whole concept is, is I'm going to take the least of the least and I'm defining them in a whole different way. What I want you to see is the same picture. Jesus is coming to you right now. No matter how crude, no matter what. Not, well, I've been saved for 30 years. That makes it even worse. But anyway, let's, let's pay attention. Let's pay attention. You know, 30 years, you start talking trash like that, then 
I need to throw out something important with that 30 years. Fruit. And if I start showing you what fruit should be following 30 years of serving Jesus, and some of you haven't led someone to Jesus in 20 years, how is that fruit? I mean, you, you proclaiming or puffing up, I've been saved this long. Don't go that way. That's why I don't want, I, I don't want to be that way. I want to wake up every day and say, this is a new day. New day. And I'm going to, I'm going to own it today. I'm going to own it. And because I'm, I'm operating that mindset, Monday's going to be big. Because Monday requires, for my life, requires a good Sunday. And a good Monday, my Tuesday requires a good Monday. That's how we live life, people. So let's, let's, start, let's start shaping and, and forming our future to a good one. Starts right now. Starts right now. Everybody in here, okay? Let's think differently. Let's speak differently. Now, here we have the scripture, Matthew 13, 18, about the parable of the sower. Then Jesus, after that parable, he moves into the wheat and tares. So this is, this is, this whole, what I've been talking about right now is, comes out of a dream. It, it, it could have been seconds, and I woke up. And this is all that, that happened. So he says this in Matthew 13, 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. Everybody say, not understand. For I do not want you to be ignorant, my brothers and sisters. For he who hears about the kingdom and does not understand it. Watch what happens. The wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. What? Comes immediately to steal that seed. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm in the military. I'm in warfare. I'm a soldier. I just was taught that right here in this service, the enemy's waiting for me to hesitate, stumble. He's waiting for me to go, I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking about. Or, yeah, I don't agree with that. Anything that is attacking what the scripture is trying to reveal to you to make you a mature man or woman of God. And so the enemy comes in instantly and immediately steals that seed. Isn't that crazy? Immediately. Now, I'm not talking about the grounds today. What I wanted to do is I wanted to share what Jesus was saying, that when we don't have understanding, it's quick for the enemy to steal. I, I know what this is talking about because, again, my journey, I've seen it. I've seen a church where I'm not getting it and, and I lose it. But that doesn't mean it's lost forever. It means that I'll continue to grow. It was simple for him to take the seed because I don't get it. But there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not evil. I'm not demon-possessed. The enemy was able to steal it because I don't have understanding. You guys see this? So what do I do? I just flip something that sounds scary into something that sounds, oh, wait a minute. Now I get it. Now I get it. That's why I got to keep pressing in. That's, that's why I got to be relentless. 
I got to be relentless in, in, in this word getting in me and for me to understand it so the enemy can't steal from me anymore. Are you guys hearing? What is the ultimate goal of the seed being planted? Growth, prosperity, increase, multiplication. That's the definition of what God wants for your life. Own up to it. Accept it. He wants good things for you. He's a good God. He's a great God. So Jesus says immediately, verse 24, this is the scripture. Same, same parable timing of, of Jesus' instructions. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sold good seed in his field. The white kingdom of heaven is like a person who takes good seed and sows it in the ground, right? What's the kingdom like? Planting seed. I don't need to put good in there because y'all are smart enough to realize that if you want watermelon seed, you're going to plant watermelon seed. But if you go into Home Depot or Lowe's and, and that package is all got, you know, crust and, and, and gross stuff and it's open and broken and there's like nasty things growing in it, how am I going to take that to the register and buy it? You guys aren't. It's seed. You're not even going to pick it up. If it's the last one, you ain't going to pick it up. So we don't, have to, we don't have to really spend time on good or bad, right? No, because we're going to pick the ones, we're going to pick seed we want. And that seed is good seed because that's what I, I'm getting that seed. And so it says the kingdom of heaven is exactly that, exactly that way. Well, how does seed operate? Well, not one seed fixes all seeds, right? I can't plant an orange seed and expect cantaloupe. That would be ignorant, right? That's how religious people are. They literally believe that, but they don't say that. It doesn't work that way. Every seed can meet a need, but the seed has to be according to the need met. That's how it works in the kingdom. Everything produces after its own kind. Everything. All right? Everybody got that? All right. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sold good seed in his field. But while the man slept, everybody said sleep. His enemy came and sowed tares. His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted, it produced a crop. And then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Definition, my definition. Uh, sir, um, I think you're a little weird, but didn't you sow good seed? Because it looks like you didn't. How dumb is that? Because that's pretty much what they're saying. Didn't you sow good seed? Then why is there tares? That's what they said to him. Did you not sow good seed? Then how come there's tares? And he said to them, the enemy has done this. The enemy has done this. When I seen the wheat and the tare go up, I know what a tear is just because I've, I, I learned this, you know, years ago. So I understand the implication of what that picture is. Ultimately, the farmers, you know, they say, well, let's go and rip the tears out. And Jesus said, no, 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 let it grow. Because what's going to happen is you start ripping things out, you're going to kill the good. 
So he says, don't, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it after it's full grown. Once it's full grown, then we separate the two. It, it, it's a little more work, but it's doable, okay? So the enemy comes in and what's he do? He, he sows tares amongst good. Now, the, the picture that we need to understand is, is the picture that what I believe God's showing us is that here the enemy comes in when we're sleeping, now, the analogy that I get is I'm not talking about a farmer. Of course, he's sleeping. He's tired. He worked all day. I'm talking about the concept of being sleeping in life because we're talking about being relentless, right? The danger to being relentless is sleeping in your faith, sleeping in your walk. And the Bible teaches us concerning what being sleeping is in the faith. It actually says this, wake up you that are sleeping amongst the dead. You know what that means? It literally means, if you've seen a person asleep and a dead person next to each other, you don't know which one's dead until you go up and feel breath, right? Or if they move. But I'm talking about a person sleeping next to a dead person, you don't know the difference. You have to literally check, right? The scripture says, arise, you that sleep. What, what is that? That is an in-depth teaching, which I'm not getting into, of the carnality of a walk. Your walk is so worldly and so like the world that we can't tell you from apart from a dead, from a life. That's a really good teaching. Really good. But I'm not getting into that, and I don't know when I'll get into that. But anyway, it's there for you. Freebie. But the point is, is this, is sleeping is when the enemy came in. It said his men were asleep, right? And the enemy came in and planted. When did this happen? When they're what? That also means darkness. The enemy loves darkness. You want to get some tears in your life? It's usually in darkness. When are, you, when are your sins usually happening? Darkness. No one around, no, one, no light around. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you don't sin in the day. I'm saying it's the concept. It's the concept of it, the picture of it. Are we hearing? All right. Son of man, Matthew 13, 36 says, the son of man is going to come. This is in reference to the second coming. This whole chapter in Matthew is on the second coming. But he makes this comment, which means that we need to be aware of it. And it is this. 1336, Matthew, the Son of Man is going to come. If he finds you sleeping, that is not talking about natural sleep. He's not talking about natural sleep. This language is different than someone just, uh, you know, Jesus comes when you're sleeping. Well, don't come at night because I'll be asleep, Jesus. Okay. So what he says, if he finds you sleeping, that literally means to be insensitive or dull to spiritual truth. You're not making action towards spiritual truth. You're hearing spiritual truth and it's like going, yeah, whatever. You're hearing this information. It's like going, yeah. That's, that's someone that's sleeping. Are right, y'all got that? And then he says this. And what I say to you, I say to all. That means this in reference to the second coming is in reference to everyday life from that point forever. And that is watch. Everybody say watch. Watch. Say it like you mean it. Watch. Watch. 
Gregor, Gre, Gregor Uo, it's a military term that literally means to stand guard and watch protecting something with your life. It's a whole different concept, isn't it? The concept of living life correctly is a life recognizing the battle at hand. You're relentless. You're not quitting. This is a warfare, and you know this. Matthew 14, 37. This is right after Jesus said he took Peter, James, and John with him to the garden. He's in this intense, intense battle in his soul, not spiritual, intense battle in his mind, everything about him, his emotions. It's so intense that the Lord Jesus says to them, I feel like I'm going to die. You ever been so emotional in your life that you feel like it's just so bad? It, you, you could make the comment, I just feel like I'm, I'm not going to make it. Or it just, I just feel so depleted. I know you have. I know many of you have. It's a, it's a bad place to be. But Jesus is saying to his closest three, I feel like I'm going to die, guys. I need you to, you, you got to stay in guard with me. And he told them, watch. Military term, watch, stay in guard. Mark says, watch and pray. In other words, don't, don't, don't sleep on this position. And also, I think Mark says he was a stone throw away. So Jesus isn't, you know, a mile down the road. He's a, he, they can see him. So what Jesus is doing, he's going through this intense battle. But see, they don't see Jesus. You know why? They're asleep. Work was tough. And, you know, I, I've been, you know, we've been busy so much. And, you know, let's put spiritual things aside, you know, because we got we to gotta, we gotta rest. You know, we got we to gotta do our family. We gotta, all, the, all the things that say, we just want to sleep some more instead of prioritizing the kingdom. Why do you think I have 20 minutes starting the day? It, it's the priority of your life. No, it's not tied to 20 minutes actually tied to two hours, but no, I'm just kidding. No, it's not. It's tied to you waking up and, G, and God's number one. Y'all know, I'm, you all know I'm 100% truthful and that's usually not what you were doing. Everybody in here understands that. I'm not, I'm not making that statement to make you feel bad or anything. I'm, I'm telling you, it's time to go a different level in this relationship. And the only way it can happen the only way you're going to have victory and overcome some things in your life is, is God first. And I know this is, I'm not an idiot. I know this is tough for you, man. Some of you can't even make it 20 minutes. I get that. I understand that. But don't stop. Don't quit. I know it's, it's frustrating that you even see it in your own life where you're even trying to spend time with God. And it's so foreign to you. You don't even feel right. But you've been going to church for years. Listen, I get it. I understand that. But that isn't something that I would ever, nor would God hold against you. What it is, is it's a revealing people. 
You know, I say you get a cup and you bump it. What comes out is the reality of what's inside. Not what we want to proclaim it's inside. Not the picture we want everybody to see. It's when rough life hits you all of a sudden. And then you go, ooh, that's the real you. That's the real you. You're in here going Jesus and Christianese all day long. And out there you get bumped. You got F words coming out. Well, because that's the real you. This is fake you in here. I don't want fake you in here. I want the real real you in here maturing and growing to destroy the fake you. Y'all with me? That's what I want. That's what I want for my life. And if I want it for my life and I want it for my wife's life and I want it for my kid's life, I want it for your life. I'm the spiritual papa in this place. So kids, straighten up. I'm going to get the butter. We'll take care of some things. Well, that's what I'm doing right now. We're getting the rod out and we're getting fixed. Amen. Whom God loves, he spanks. Spank away, Jesus. Show me your love. I remember how that used to scare me until I found the truth of God's word. And then I realized it's, it's through instruction of the word. The, the word of God does what? It corrects, reproofs, rebukes. We think it's God. This is, listen, false teaching, false teaching. We think God's getting us in a car wreck, giving us a disease. That's how he's doing it. That's a lie from hell. It's not his discipline. How can you, good parent, give your child a serpent? None of you would. Then how come there's mega doctrines in most of these denominations that violate that scripture right there? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir and most everybody, you understand that, but there's people out there that don't. And I know there's people out there that can't stand this message because they want to believe God's evil and mean. That God, the reason why they're in this place is God put them in this place instead of them saying, my bad, my bad decision, my bad choice, I shouldn't have done it. They don't want to do that. They want to blame God so they can feel comfortable. Stop it. God's a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. There's no good in sickness and disease. There's no good in destruction. There's no good in steal, kill, destroy. That is the devil. Quit attributing the works of Satan to God. That is definition of blasphemy. And we're not going that way. We know our God's good. And if something bad happens, I'm not saying that's God. That's the enemy. That's not, the, that's not God. God's goodness in working me through it. God's goodness is working me in it. I mean, it happened, but God's goodness is going to help me be able to deal with it. Deal with it in, deal with it out. That's his goodness. Amen. The relentless life. I'm ending right here. The Hebrew word for, now, when you look at the Hebrew word for diligent or diligence, that is the definition of being relentless. Okay. The definition of relentless would be a term of diligent or diligence. Because when you look at the Hebrew and the Greek, it defines, excuse me, it defines being relentless, okay? Ha-roots is the Hebrew word. It means determined, unstoppable, relentless, a focused life. That's the Hebrew. The Greek word, spudazo. Spudazo is quick to move forward, constant effort to accomplish something. Relentless, inspired by intense enthusiasm. No quit. No quit in either one of them. Relentless. You're relentless. Hebrew, relentless. Greek, relentless. 
And that's what God's saying. I need you to be relentless. Starts here. Get this down here. And man, you'll wake up with an attitude. Good one. All right. You'll wake up with a, I got this. Hey, I'm, go, I'm going to battle. It's not against flesh and blood. I will teach that soon because it, it, it's very important. It's imperative for 2023. So that will be coming. All right. It will be coming soon, but not, you know, next week, but it'll be coming. Okay. Unless God changes on me and I look dumb, but anyway, that's fine. I don't care. The benefits in living a relentless life. Let me give you the scripture. Here we go. Ready? Watch what relentless life does. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of pressure, in the midst of warfare, a person that's living a relentless, a diligent life, you're forced, you're, you're focused, you're, you're being forceful in living this life for the kingdom of God. You're, the promises of God are yes and amen for you. And you're like going, I'm not letting go of these and I'm going to keep pressing. And God said, it, it's focus, prioritize me first. Put the kingdom first. Everything gets added to you. When you live this life, this is what happens. Proverbs 10, 4. The hand of the relentless makes rich. Oh, I'm not stopping there. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the relentless will rule. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the relentless shall be made rich. It's talking about even my emotions, my will will become prosperous. Oh, let's go on. Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the relentless surely lead to prosperity. Look at what's happening. When you're living this relentless life, Hebrews 11.6, God is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. Of those who diligently, relentlessly seek him. He is a what? Rewarder. You know what the Greek word is? One who pays wages. Oh my gosh. Look tight. Look at the benefits of a relentless life. I don't see anything in there. You start getting into the, in the worst study of being diligent and diligence. I mean, it literally says that the person that's diligent will have favor. We can go on and on about what this produces in your life. And there's nothing but good things. Good things. I don't know about you, but 2023, I own because I'm relentless and I'm going to continue to be relentless and I'm going to watch the hand of God in his favor, in prosperity, in good things. I will walk in body, soul, and spirit healthy. Just like third John says, brothers and sisters, I pray, I believe and expect your soul to prosper as your health does. God wants you healthy. God wants you healthy emotionally and physically. That's why we're doing the 40, but it isn't a program. What is it? Preparation. Amen. Because this is preparation for life. We're not stopping at the end of this year. We're going to continue doing great things for the kingdom until Jesus comes back. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. love you guys. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.